Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. At the top of this hour, though, and I, I think we went through a lot of these same issues in the trial of David and Colette Stefan and the death of their son, Ezekiel, who died of uh, bacterial meningitis. The trial underway today for a woman named Tamara Lovett, 47 years old, charged with failing to provide the necessaries of life and with criminal negligence in the death of her seven-year-old son, Ryan Alexander Lovett. He died in March of 2013. The Crown says he had a treatable strep infection, but that it wasn't treated. Kept him bedridden for 10 days. Said the child was treated with dandelion tea and oil of oregano. And what was otherwise treatable turned fatal. Today, an emergency medical technician testified that the child was cold to the touch when they arrived, showed no signs of life when they arrived, that his left upper arm was swollen to twice the size of his right. Just awful, awful stuff. Now, there are going to be some some clear differences, I I think, between these two trials, but I I think there are some underlying themes here. One of them is that the danger it poses to children to not seeking legitimate medical attention. It's also the question then of how much accountability we expect when children are placed in this danger and it turns fatal. So joining us uh, for some thoughts on all of this, pleased to welcome to the program uh, Julieta Guishan, who's a bioethicist at the University of Calgary and assistant professor in the Department of Community Health Sciences. Juliet, great to talk to you again. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, it's disheartening to say the least that, that here we are again talking about these issues. Uh, what's what's most frustrating to you about about these kinds of stories? Well, I, I guess prevention is always the best uh, strategy. If if any of these deaths, th- there's a third, um, the Alex Rudita case, which you might remember with the diabetic 15 year old who didn't wasn't taken to a doctor and never had insulin or at least not not after he arrived in Alberta Um, so so there's three cases that have come to court in the past calendar year and um, if if any of those deaths could have been prevented then they should have been prevented and we have legislation in Alberta that states that if any adult has reason to believe a child is in need of intervention, and by that they mean the attention of the director of child welfare, then they should call. They have to call, otherwise they can be um, charged with failing to have called. And Alberta has not used that legislation apparently ever to prosecute any bystander who knew but did nothing. So I think it's perhaps time to consider the, the purpose of the legislation and whether we should use it. Uh, that if others are aware of this, if others are not intervening, that maybe it shouldn't just be the parents who are held accountable? 
Right. And it's not, it's not the job of others to intervene. It's the job of others to alert the proper authority who knows how to intervene and has the statutory duty to do so. So if, if I believe that a child whom I know about needs um, assistance, whether because the child's being beaten up or is being deprived of necessary medical treatment, I have a duty to call. It's a, it's a statutory duty. But I don't have to be sure that, that the, the child needs medical help. I just have to fear that, that um, you have to have reasonable and probable grounds to believe. That's all. That's right. all I need. And um, so all I have to do is call 911. I don't have to give my name. I just have to say, you better check on this child in this place. I hope he's okay, but um, I'm afraid he isn't. And then, and then they'll check, and hopefully they'll find he's well. Um, but it's better to be safe than sorry. It's a challenge. I mean, in, in these cases where these, you know, the children are confined to their homes, they're, they're bedridden, unless we're talking about people who are actually visiting the home and, and seeing the child, it's, it would seem to be difficult for anybody to have a good idea that, that anything's amiss. Well, in some of these cases, friends and family said, you better get that child to a doctor. Right. So, you know, if, if they felt that they should say that, then uh, maybe they had reasonable and probable grounds to believe the child's parents were, in the statutory languages, unable or unwilling to provide necessary medical treatment. And, and it could be unable, inability. You know, 10% of our population has mental health challenges. You know, we, we all need help. I mean, it isn't squealing on, on somebody. Rather, it's helping the authorities help the parent uh, get the child the necessary care. Yeah, people, are, people seem reluctant to intervene. Um, the, the people don't want to be the one to be ratting on their, their friend or neighbor or seeking child services on their friend or neighbor based on a hunch or a suspicion. But as you say, if, if a child's life is on the line, there's an obligation. Right, and, and I mean, it's hard. It's hard to call. I'm not doubting that. And sometimes people are wrong. But unless they're acting with malice, they will be welcomed to to let alert child uh, welfare that maybe there's a problem. And when people are weighing, should I pick up the phone and call or should I not? What I think what is helpful to to consider is whose interests are they privileging? Whose interests are they placing highest? Are they placing their fear of getting involved and maybe being wrong higher than the, the interest of the child in having a third party come in in the form of paramedics and check, check out whether the child's health is well enough to be at home or should the child should be in hospital? Well, unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, in these cases, it, it got to that point. It shouldn't get to a point where a child needs to be hospitalized and, and you know, look, Part of, I, I think, what, what the Stefan trial became about was uh, this, you know, the, the notion of where you would take a child if your child's not well, and that they felt that it made sense to take him to a naturopath, which, unfortunately, I don't think it's that alone is illegal. Parents can legally take their children to, to see a naturopath. So if I, as a friend or neighbor, say, I, I don't know, you, you, I think you need to get your child medical attention, and they say to me, yep, don't worry, we've got an appointment tomorrow with a naturopath, well, what, what am I to do then at that point? You're just to think about the law. I mean, we're all assumed to know the law. The law says that if parents are unable or unwilling to provide necessary medical treatment, then you have a duty to call. 
I mean, I'm not saying it's easy, but but it's not it's not for me or you to judge whether the child ne- needs necessary medical treatment. It's for the authorities to judge, but the authorities can't act if they don't know. So, and and by the way, calling child welfare doesn't mean the child's going to be taken into foster care. What it means is that that there'll be a welfare check. So the police will go to see how the child is because there's concern. And and then a paramedic will, probably the police would call an ambulance and they would do an initial uh, screening to see how the child is. So it's not a question of removing the, the parents from being guardians of the children. It's just, it's just like this child needs medical help probably. So let's send in authorities to determine whether that's the case. Well, it's part of the problem, though, that there are parents who believe that this is a legitimate way of treating an illness, that they're seeking these obviously then ineffective treatments. Right. And, they, and they've and they been proven incorrect in the case of three children in Alberta. So um, those parents need help to care for their children. They're not doing it right, obviously. Otherwise, the child would be alive. So who's going to help them? Well, in this case, nobody did. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I know this is hard, and it is hard to intervene, and people will scream at me, as some have, to say it's not, um, it's not for me to intervene in somebody else's uh, affairs. But I think children look to all of us to protect them when they're in danger. They don't just look to their parents, especially if their parents are unable or unwilling to do what the child needs. I mean, the parents are ultimately responsible. And I, I think that's where people would see the distinction. Right. So, so all of them are being held criminally responsible. But what good does that do the child? Well, in all of these cases, it's all after the fact, right? I think right, that, that's right. what's so awful here. So, so if, 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 you, if people care about preventing child death, then maybe they should, if they know that a child might need help, if they suspect, just pick up the phone, call 911. It's okay to be wrong. But it's better better to be wrong than not to have um, asked the authorities just to check on the child's welfare. Well, yeah, I I, I understand where you're coming. As you say, I think a lot of people are going to see that, uh, especially that fear of being wrong, where now all of a sudden you got law enforcement involved, you got child services involved, and it turns out that there there was no concern. Right, but so, so let's say that I, I called about a child you might have. Mm-hmm. So the police come knocking on your door and your child's lying on the couch watching TV. What would you say? You would say to the police, gosh, it's a surprise to see you, but please come in, please check on my child. You'll see he's okay. And that's that. It's over. I mean, it's embarrassing and inconvenient, but it's over quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I guess, I just don't see the downside of of calling if if you have serious concern that that a child really needs to see a doctor and their parents are unable or unwilling to to, to make that happen. Well, I guess if, if I mean if that was my experience with the, the the officer and if that was that, maybe that that would be no big deal. I I, I think for people there's the fear that. Uh, if everything's fine, you're not going to be believed that the police are going to suspect you, that, uh, that, that it's going to be an intrusive investigation, that your, your parenting's being questioned, and there's going to be a real resentment towards who, whoever picked up the phone. Well, first of all, they're not going to know who, who, who picked up the phone. And secondly, um, 
I guess maybe I have better, greater faith in the authorities than than some people do. I don't. I don't think they're looking for work. I think mm-hmm. if they if they strongly believe a child is just fine, then they'll leave. Um, they might take take the child just to be sure, but the doctors aren't going to keep a child who's well. Um, and and I don't think people are going to call unless they have really serious concerns about a particular child. Yeah, well, I, I think it's it's certainly something we should think about because, but, as you say, we've we've had a few of these cases as of late, and these were all preventable deaths, it would seem. But but also keep in mind, this is the law. I'm not making this up. This right. is no, exactly. Four sub six of the Child Youth and Family Enhancement Act. So either we take it off the books or we take it seriously. But as far as I know, there have been no prosecutions in Alberta under this section. So, I mean, do we believe in this as Albertans? Do we believe that this this law should should remain or do we think that we've come to a point in a society where nobody everybody's child is the responsibility only of the parents and everybody else should butt out even if the child is at risk of dying yeah well as you say it's it's not you calling for a law it's pointing out that that law exists and are we going to use it or not juliet appreciate making some time for us here this afternoon thanks for joining us it's a pleasure thank you all right juliet guishon bioethicist university of calgary uh, saying that, look, she's not saying we need a new law to prosecute people who don't report this sort of thing, but just saying, hey, hang on a second here. There is a provision in the Child Protection Act that would allow for that to hold others accountable if you knew this was going on and didn't do anything. And looking at these these three cases, but these were all preventable deaths. And certainly in, in a couple of the cases, we'll see what comes out in the Lovett trial. But in, in the other two she was referencing, the Ezekiel Stefan case and the Redita case, there were other people who seemed to be well aware of the situation. The Stefans were told, you should take that child to a doctor. If you say that, you see a situation like that and you say that, have you done your part? Have you done enough? Or do you need to go above and beyond that? And is it up to you then to report that situation? 403-974-8255 is our number. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.